You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. We continue our series on the new ordinary, and today we're going to talk about ordinary news. So, yes, um, most of life is ordinary. (laughs) That's why we call it such. Um, You know, I've worked most of my life, all of my adult life, uh, in the field of education. And there's something that we talk about in educational circles um, called grade inflation. Um, Used to be a C meant you were average. Now it kind of means failing. Like, everybody wants an A. Um, they feel like they've paid for it, like if you paid for your tuition, if you've met the, the minimum requirements, right, then you kind of deserve an A, that you, you should start there and perhaps kind of work down from there. It's an odd thing, really. Um, but I don't know. I kind of feel like uh, our grade, grading system isn't that accurate anyway. So for those of you, for, for some of you, you're going to have to really think pretty hard remember back that long. (laughs) But let's imagine when you were back in school, can any of you remember uh, being in a class where you scored a pretty high grade, but you didn't learn very much? Or or perhaps that you um, you, uh, scored a grade that you weren't particularly happy with. Might have been a B, it might have been a C. But in that course, you actually learned a lot. So, so that's a problem. Like, if, if your uh, grade is supposed to be a measurement of your learning, then the more you learn, the higher your grade should be. And it, doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. Like, the, the system is measuring something other than learning, and that's problematic. So we all know that Jesus was a teacher. In fact, they called Jesus rabbi, right? Which just means uh, teacher. And sometimes they didn't call him rabbi, they actually called him teacher. (laughs) And he did teach a lot. And when he taught, he taught often with parables. Now, this parable of the the sower that Sarah read for us is extraordinarily well-trodden. Forgive the pun. But it is, we've heard it over and over and over again. And I think we've probably heard one of these interpretations. So we often read it and we or hear it and we, we think of the parable not about the sower but rather about the soil. Like if we were to have named the parable based on our interpretation of it, we would have called it the parable of soil because that's what we focus on. This is kind of the, the evangelical hearing of the parable. So there's different types of soil, and those different types of soil represent different types of people and their receptivity to the gospel. And so the question that's being put, put toward you then is what kind of soil do you want to be? And apparently you have a choice to make, right? You have a choice about what kind of soil you're going to be. Now, of course, that stretches the parable almost beyond understanding because we know that soil doesn't have volition. The soil that's along the path didn't choose to be there, as though the soil in the rocky ground chose to be there, or the soil in the thorny ground chose to be there, or the good soil chose to be good soil. 
That's not how soil works. Yet, there's something that we're supposed to be taught. So, I'm not here to disparage that evangelical reading. I think there is some truth kind of behind that understanding that our receptivity to the gospel does matter and our choices that we make does affect the way in which we'll respond or receive the message of the gospel. I think all of that's true. And I also think that's not what this parable is about. <laughs> right? So I think it's true that it matters how, how we come and, and the, our disposition and, and having, having a, a, a sense of openness and, and hopefulness and receptivity. I think that's completely true. I just, I'm not sure that's what this particular lesson was supposed to teach us. Another one that I've heard, it focuses not so much on the soil, but on the seed. And if we're interpreting that way, we might have called it not the parable of the sower, but the parable of the seed. And the seed is the, the message. It's the good news. We, this is, we're calling this uh, sermon today ordinary news. But what's ordinary about this news? Well, it's ordinary now because it's after Pentecost. It's ordinary now because it's after Jesus has come and shared it. What's ordinary about the news now is that it is ordinary for us to talk about a life filled with grace and love and forgiveness and justice. It's the new ordinary. It's not an ordinary we had before. It's not even quite the ordinary we hoped for. <laughs> like we're still hoping for a consummation of this good news, of this kingdom coming. But this understanding of the parable will focus not so much on the soil, but on the seed. And whether that seed is understood as the message of Jesus or whether that seed is understood as Jesus himself, right? Jesus is the message. Come, see him, respond to him, uh, feel him, know him, obey him, devote yourself to him. And I think there's a lot to learn there. And I think if we're focusing on a parable of the seed, particularly if we're doing it historically, then these different types of soil might represent not just individuals who might have heard the parable years and years and years later, but particular groups of people who were there. There were some who wanted a Messiah that was more militant, that was just going to kick the Romans out, right? But that soil, this gospel can't grow in. There were some who wanted a real kind of just religious Messiah, to separate from the world. You've heard that phrase, we're in the world but not of the world. Mostly, all I ever heard growing up is that we're, we're not of the world. Like we never talked about the in the world part. We just focused that we're not of the world. We're not of the world, which means we're separate from the world. We're not engaged in the world. But the fact that we are in the world, we just ignored that part altogether. <laughs> In order for the gospel to be the gospel, it has to be in the context of the world. Like it has to exist there. It has to be there. So, back to these other expectations. Uh, some wanted a more kind of, not a military messiah or not, not a religious messiah, but kind of a political one. An economic one. One who could come and kind of give them that kind of, of freedom. And again... This seed doesn't grow well in that type of soil. Or maybe it's even more specifically. 
Like, you know, the reference to the rocky soil? There are some that said that that represents Peter, right? Peter is called the rock, and he is pretty resistant to the, the ways of Jesus. Now, he'll eventually learn, right? Eventually, he, he moves beyond that. But the Gospels are filled with stories of mistakes that Peter makes, <laughs> right? Peter steps out of the boat. That's great. But then he sinks. Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ. That's great. But then he denies that he ever knew him. Peter, Peter takes a sword and cuts off a guy's ear. Like, there's lots of mistakes that Peter's making. But kind of despite the fact that he's rocky, that he's tough, that he likes to do it his own way, this seed nevertheless takes root there. It, is, it seems to me the way seeds often work. I don't know about the rest of you. I got this one patch of grass in my yard. I just can't grow grass there. Grass will not grow. But man, let me tell you, out on the pool deck, in the lanai, in the driveway, the sidewalk, that grass is going to grow there. I can't kill that grass. What, what is it about that? I can't kill the grass on the path, and I can't make the grass grow in the nicely tilled soil. I put extra soil on there. I put fertilizer on there. I water it. I pray for it. <laughs> Lord, let it grow here. Interesting. Maybe if I could offer us, again, the, the point is not to say, hey, this is, this is the one and only way in which you can read this parable, but, but rather to maybe think about a new way. And the way I'm going to suggest that we think about that parable today is this. We really focus in on the idea that Jesus titled his parable, the parable of the sower. And so, while different types of soil are part of the story, it's not the main part. And while there's seed that's used in the story, it's also not the main part. But the parable is the parable of the sower because the parable is about the sower. And what do we know in this parable about this sower? Apparently, he has a lot of seed. And he spreads it indiscriminately. I don't know what to think about that. Part of me just gets frustrated. Like, seed's valuable. And you should be more responsible, sower. Like, till the soil and plant where you're supposed to plant. Don't plant where there are thorns. Don't plant where, there's, where it's rocky. And certainly don't plant on the road. Right? If you have seed and you want grass to grow in your yard, don't go out on I-4 and spread the seed around. It's not going to help over here. What is this sower doing? Like, that's a weird part of the story. Like, if we were a bit more agrarian, like, we, again, we have trodden this so often, we have a hard time actually hearing this story. It can't surprise us because we think we already know what it means. But I think the first time Jesus told this story, in an agrarian culture, they talked about a guy just throwing seed everywhere. People were like, wow, now this is going to be a story. Who's this about? What kind of philosophy of growing is that? So part of me, again, it just frust it frustrates me. I'm like, be more efficient. Be more effective. 
But then, but then there's another thing. There's another thing I think we can learn here. Man, this sower is reckless with his seed. This sower is just going to spread it everywhere. Everywhere it can grow. Even if it doesn't have some kind of huge kind of return. It seems to grow everywhere. It can grow in rocky stuff. It can grow in thorny stuff. And it, it can sure grow in really well-tilled, well-prepared soil. It's going to get things done. It's going to come back extravagantly. The recklessness of the sower does not end in destruction. The recklessness of the sower produces more than we can imagine. 30, 60, 100 fold. There's a, there's a passage from Isaiah that I often heard quoted in my childhood. And in the lectionary, it gets, it gets paired with this text. It's always interesting what other passages of Scripture you choose to think about or you choose to read in, in, in context. Like, what are you putting together? So here's one, here's one from Isaiah. It says this. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I uh, purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns shall come up on, uh, the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall be to the Lord for a memorial. For an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Particularly the, passage, the bit that was always passage is that the, the word of the Lord does not return empty. Or to quote the King James, it doesn't return void. Right? The word of the Lord is effective. It gets things done. Just like the snow and the water doesn't kind of go back to the sky until it's already done what it's supposed to do. So the word of the Lord doesn't go back to the sky until it's done what it's supposed to do. Now, if we think about that, that message from Isaiah, which I tend to think might have been reverberating in the thoughts of Jesus as he's telling this parable about the sower, that this sower, when he sows his seed, when he shares his word, it does do things. And this message is one not of, not of scarcity. This message is one not of even sustenance. This message is one of abundance. Like at the end of every service, we receive your tithes and offerings, right? And we confess together a giving confession. And there's a line in that giving confession that says, we resist the myth of scarcity. Now the myth of scarcity is not the reality that sometimes resources are scarce. 
That's the reality of scarcity. <laughs> Sometimes there's not an, enough money at the end of the month and you're having to make decisions on what to do with it and times can get hard. That's, that's a reality. The myth of scarcity is this. The myth of scarcity is the idea that that's how it always is and that's what everybody is experiencing and we should all hold on to what we have because if we don't, we won't have enough. That's the myth of scarcity. Because in reality... When we all share, there is enough. In reality, when, when we do give, when we do plant, when we do sow, things do come back. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a principle there. Paul says, don't, don't be deceived. What, whatsoever you sow, that you shall also reap. So there's this idea that, that this, this sower, this parable of the sower, is one that's really reckless in a way one way to understand it but maybe we could just instead of recklessness maybe we should think of it as extravagance and understand that that's the good news of the gospel there's not just a little bit of forgiveness and if you and if you use all your forgiveness up sorry too bad you know you were right at the end if you could have just died a little earlier you would have been okay but you didn't. You lived a little longer. You sinned a little more. And you, you, just had, you just had lost up that last little bit of forgiveness that was left for you. Forgiveness is not a limited resource. God's grace is not a limited resource. God's love is not a limited resource. And God's word is not a limited resource. And when God's word goes out, things will happen. And enough will happen despite the different types of soil. Enough will happen despite the different types of soil that we're going to have so much that the only option for us to do is to share it because it, it came back 30, 60, 100 fold. I think this points towards, if it, it both points back to that passage in Isaiah about the word of the Lord is like the water and the snow, but it also points forward to something that we read later in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul talks about the new reality, what, we might, what we've been calling the new ordinary. Paul talks about that as the law of the Spirit. He says this. This is in Romans chapter 8. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in, in the likeness of sinful flesh to deal with sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk according to the flesh, or excuse me, who, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their things on the minds of uh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, and those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life, life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit. Since the Spirit of God dwells in you, 
Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his Spirit that dwells in you. This is real interesting. Sometimes we refer to this as Calvin's three uses of the law. Which is interesting, because Calvin didn't write it. Like, why don't we call it Paul's three uses of the law? But again, we're not good at titling things, apparently, because we, we we're told the parable of a sower, and then we, and then we preach sermons about soil <laughs> instead of the sower. But anyway, I'll do, I'll do respect to, to John, as his, friend, as his friends called him, Gene. Um, the, three, the three uses of the law are this. There's an ancient law that is somehow in the very fabric of reality. It is the law of sin and death. It is something we are all bound by. Everything is finite. Everything has a beginning and an end. And that's just the way it is. And we are all in it. And we are bound to it. And it is the fate of each and every one of us as well as each and every person ever and each and everything ever. Things don't last forever, natural or artificial. It's the law of sin and death. And the law, that is the law of Moses, the Torah, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, right? What you sacrifice, what you eat, what you don't eat, the law, right? The law was not able to free the Jews from the law of sin and death. It just didn't have the capacity it had the capacity to point out their problems, but it did not have the capacity to, to relieve the situation. It could, not, not only did it not alleviate it, it actually exasperated it. It made it worse, right? When you have a law, then, there's, then you realize you've done something wrong. It's impossible to break curfew if you don't have curfew. It's impossible to break a speed limit if there is no speed limit. But once you have the rule, it's there. It can find you. But he says this. This is Paul. And I think this is talking about that what he calls the law of the life of the Spirit in Christ. We have been calling the new ordinary. The time after Pentecost. The time after the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh and the church has been birthed. This, this time of the calendar year that we celebrate every year, Right? But it's not just ordinary, it's a new ordinary. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, Christ has done. Christ is the seed. And he was sown by God. And he got planted in the ground. But then he grew up out of the ground. And has produced something utterly new. And that is good news. That's the news that we can be excited for. That is our ordinary news now. It, I know it's extraordinary. But it's the new ordinary. It's the ordinary news of the life in Christ. The life in his spirit. The life that will come and will not end 
void or empty, but filled with good things, with good people and good times and good memories about how the Lord has brought us through and how we've come out on the other side. And we'll sing. We'll sing things like what's become kind of our summer anthem. Um, I just forgot the name of it. Goodness of God. The goodness of God. There it is. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I just remembered it. It's called the goodness of God. It has this line in it. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. That's our song, friends. Thank you. I know that's our song because when I hear you sing it, the, the timber in the room, timbre, 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 the timbre, working on my music theory, the timbre in the room changes. Something's different about you all when we sing that song. Your hearts are set on fire. And we live in the good news this new ordinary, the ordinary news of the life of Christ and his spirit. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.